Welcome back. This is a news story that has not really been covered by the media all that much, and I don't know why. Is there a serial killer hunting down men in the city? Um, Somewhere between 10 and 15, roughly, young men and some women have been found dead in Lake Michigan and the Chicago River, all in a period of about a year and a half, two years. Uh, It seems like a lot. A lot of similarities between the profiles of some of these young men, where they were before uh, they when when they went missing, and uh, how they were found, and how they ended up in the water. And I'm just very curious about why the media is not reporting on this. Is this just a bunch of coincidences because we're up against uh, you know a couple of waterways, or is this a trend that uh, shows that there may be someone stalking these people, killing them, and putting them in the water? With us to discuss this, uh, we've got two guests, John Sunholm, who is a writer, editor, and media producer. He's the editor of Your Tango, which is a leading online publisher focused on relationships, emotional wellness, and news and entertainment. And I also have uh, retired police detective Kevin Gannon. He was with the New York Police Department for 20 years. He's the founder of Global Death Investigations, a company that solves both open and cold cases. And he um, has studied uh, the smiley face killers, which we're going to talk about. Welcome so much to the show. Welcome, welcome, Kevin and John. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Okay, let's start with you, John. John, you're a writer, and I actually picked up uh, on your website, Your Tango, and you talk about these victims. Can you, as quickly as possible, just run me through from when to when, who these people are generally, and where they were found? Sure, sure. Um, You know, I will preface by saying there is quite a bit of diversity in terms of the details, but if we're kind of casting the widest net possible in terms of similarities... Um, there's about 10 men that have been found in either the lake, the river, one of the harbors between roughly, um, Halloween of 2021 to just this past weekend, a week ago today. Um, there was also an additional man in March of 2021. So it's possible this goes back even farther than we think. Um, and for the most part, with a couple exceptions, um, they're all between their early twenties to early thirties. Um, there's, a couple, three or four different geographic clusters where they've been found um, and the ones that we do know where they disappeared from, um, they've all disappeared from similar areas like River North, Lincoln Park, um, some of those nightlife areas in the city. And then there's also four women, one of whom was the girlfriend of one of the men who's been found, um, who have also fit similar different demogra- demographics, excuse me, and been found in similar areas. And John, we don't know as we sit here uh, their cause of death as far as, you know, were they sexually assaulted? Would they have stab wounds? Do we, we don't know any of that, do we? We don't. And that's honestly, um, we don't really know much at all about most of these victims. That's actually what attracted us to this story at your tango. You know, we're always kind of trying to, uh, where we can shed some empathetic light on stories about real people, particularly if they've been kind of flying under the radar. And this is really one of those stories. Um, we don't know a lot about what happened to these people. Um, some of them haven't even been publicly identified yet. Um, and we don't know um, really much of anything about what happened to them. We know that some of them did drown. That's the cause of death. Uh, but even those have been inconclusive in terms of 
How did they end up drowning? How did they end up in the water? Is there evidence that they were assaulted in any way? We just don't really have a lot of information. Let's um, let's let's go to Kevin Gannon. Kevin Gannon, you've you've studied uh, this type of thing. In fact, you're co-author of a book called Case Studies in Drowning Forensics. And you know, can you just tell us generally? Does this sound like a lot of too many people in in the waterways or does this sound like par for the course in a in a city like chicago where we we are surrounded by water why we have a lot of water around us no this uh, this excuse me this this doesn't sound normal john thanks for all the work you've done i i didn't find as many victims as you did i have like five males and that one woman you were talking about natalie Boken, who was uh wound up uh missing the same day as the other and uh um, right, right. okay. um but no, John's right. No, no, these 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 are. This is like kind of an aberration, and it really only started that I, we've noticed. Obviously, like twenty years ago, when I first twenty five years ago now, when I had the, my first case, we had three kids in a one year period in the NYPD from nineteen ninety seven to early nineteen ninety eight, in which three young men went missing from bars, wound up um, in bodies of water, and uh, when I checked. With the with the currents from the East River where they were located and the harbor the NYPD harbor unit, there's no way the body could have been recovered where it was where it was recovered unless they had been driven to the location and put in the water out there. And then after getting the autopsy reports and later, because the missing persons once the body was recovered, they basically wanted me off the case. But I had, I had promised one of the families that I would investigate. You know, the, the son, I believe the son was truly murdered. When I got the autopsy photos and everything, I saw that the young man was burned from the waist up. So he was, he obviously was a victim of a homicide and then placed in the water. And because of that, I never expected, you know, um, 25 years later, we'd be up to almost 600 victims. In Chicago, we have about 20, 22 victims uh, since like 1999. Kevin, you know, you studied and, and I, I, there's relevance here. So I want to get a little bit of background before we go to break. Kevin, you studied what we call the smiley face murders, and I, I, I believe that's about 45 young men who have been found dead in bodies of water in the Midwest, sort of in the 1990s. Um, and a lot of them were near college campuses, Milwaukee, Chicago, La Crosse. Tell me what, right. you, what you did to study this and, and why you think it was the work of a serial killer rather than just a coincidence. Well, we don't we don't believe it's a killer. What we said numerous times before is that uh, recently, you know, on, on the, the media, that this is a well-structured, organized group which sells of anywhere from eight to ten to sometimes fifteen to twenty, depending upon the city, uh, in major cities all across the United States. They're drugging, abducting, holding these young men, mostly young men. They're starting to the females also holding the young men for periods of time. And we'd be able to prove that through the level of decomposition that aren't consistent with the body and the amount of time it's in the water. Obviously, the physical injuries, like John was saying, some have physical injuries when they said, medical examiners said they didn't have any physical injuries, which is something we showed in our book, where we proved 14 cases of homicide, and on our TV show in which we've had other experts and other forensic pathologists and leading forensic pathologists and an FBI dive expert to all concur that these individuals wanted to be water for the period of time they were missing. So they, we proved that they were murdered. Um, and the 45 was what we had initially back in 2006. We have a th- database of 300 plus that we've, that we've pretty much looked at, maybe 200, there's another 100 that fit the distinct pattern. And now in the last three or four years, we found out that there's, but if a lot of them could not be 
connected like like John said because we have to check the ages and, and, and everything. We haven't even done anything, but there's almost over 600. So that the group is becoming more brazen. And, um, you know, just with the amount of people they're doing, because they realize law enforcement and nobody is obviously, um, you know, looking at these. So Kevin, they, they can just get away with it. Let me, let me just, before we go to break, smiley face. Why why were these dubbed? And, and by the way, there are a couple of uh, specials on. Uh, where, where can people see this, this special that was on the smiley face killers? Was it an oxygen network? Oxygen.com, right? Has yeah. the, uh, the hunt for justice. Um, yeah, smiley face, face killers, killers hunt for justice. Can you just quickly tell our listeners why they uh, these have been dubbed the smiley face killers? Right. Initially, when we were doing it, the uh, reporter that wanted some information on why we've connected them, we gave them a smiley face because it was the most generic symbol. We didn't, at the time, actually realize the significance of the smiley face until like 2009. So we're in 100% that the smiley face is a very important, critical a piece of information related and relative to the group itself, the organization. Oh, wait, 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 uh, no, wait. You have to explain what you mean by that. Those weren't... You would find smiley faces at the scenes close by, along with other graffiti that was specific to the group that we we've never we've revealed who it was, because otherwise then it would, everybody would know who it was, and then we could have copycat killers. So smiley faces and other symbols. We have 13 distinctive symbols that have been at some scenes all across the country with, uh, at the death of these young men. And Let- to explain it quickly, at the 13, New York may have one as the smiley face, and then we have, they may have one, two, seven, and eight. Chicago may have one, four, nine, 11, 12. You know, so it, it depends on which city has which symbol. And we have seen all these different symbols, and what we did is we took pictures of all of them, and then we categorized them and found out that we had repetition of these same symbols at different cities, from New York to Chicago, from Milwaukee to La Crosse, and, and, and that's how we've been able to identify that the groups are connected, and yet there's individualistic stuff from each group has their own different symbols, but yes, it's all part of one large, larger organization. We are talking about men who have gone missing in the last year and a half to two years in Chicago, bodies being found in the water, and uh, the question is this a serial killer? We're here with Kevin Gannon, retired New York police detective, and John Solholm, who's the editor at Your Tango. You're listening to The Karen Conti Show, and we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back. We're talking about the boys and men going missing in Chicago area and actually across the country. And we're here with Kevin Gannon, retired police detective from New York, and John Sonholm, who is the producer editor at Your Tango. Um, I, I'll start with you, John. You know, you you write about it on in your on your uh, website, and I, I when I was reading it, I just I couldn't believe that people weren't piecing these things together. And I I don't want I want to say this delicately, but when you see a serial killer and Kevin, you can weigh on on this. Um, when you see a serial killer, a lot of them will gravitate toward uh, prostitutes or people who are runaways or people who may not be be determined. They may not be missed as right. as as quickly as college kids. You know, kids who have just graduated from from school. You know, largely white men. Um, you know what? What do you? Why do you think the media has not picked up on this? And, and you're like the only one on the web, like talking about this stuff. Well, you know, again, that was part of what attracted us to the story is that there, there just seems to be so little about it. But when you go on social media and you start reading some of the social media chat, chatter, people are really, really unnerved by this, and 
a common thread through a lot of that chatter was the fact that law enforcement, city leadership are not talking about this makes it seem even more like there is something going on here. Um, my presumption is uh, there's surely ongoing investigations. Uh, you know, I'm sure they're wanting to um, avoid panic, both in the case of the public and in the case of the perpetrator, if there is one. Um, and you certainly don't want to give the notoriety that serial killers <laughs> crave. Um, but that information vacuum is really starting to concern people. And, you know, I myself have really long, deep roots in Chicago as well. And I've spoken to friends of mine who have said, you know, I really wish they would just come out and say one way or the other if there's something to worry about, because people are really nervous about it. Well, and and people should be warned if they're leaving, you know, they're leaving bars in River North and they're intoxicated. And there's one more thing I want to throw in here, and I'm going to switch this to Kevin. I'm just thinking like, okay, people, most people know how to swim, right? Uh, Especially if you're from a more affluent background because your high school had a, a swimming pool, you maybe had swimming lessons. And even if you're really drunk, if you fall in Lake Michigan, you know, wouldn't that kind of wake you up? And does that mean that you necessarily drown? I guess that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking as drunk as I could be and I fell into Lake Michigan, that wouldn't mean that I would forget how to swim and rise to the top and try to grab onto something, right? Kevin, what? Well, and to your to your point, there was a, a tweet about that that went viral where a woman said, anybody who's lived in Chicago for any amount of time knows we don't go anywhere near the lake during the winter. There's no way anyone fell in. It's just not something that we well, do. And so. I and I did the plunge one year for Special Olympics, and I would tell you, I, I was oh, I was about as wide awake as I could possibly be in March. Um, and anyway. Oh, right. uh, Kevin, you know, you studied this with the smiley face murders and, you know, you talked about there might be groups of people doing these crimes. What what criminal profile are we talking about? Are these gay crimes? Are these what are they torturing young men? Is there some agenda? What is the speculation here? Well, well, uh, well there's definitely a group. Don't, just going back quickly to what John said, which made you a really good point, is that uh, and what you were talking about is you would be still be able to swim. You have to realize that all these victims are happening in wintertime. How come if these were just accidental drownings due, due to uh, alcohol-related deaths, um, how come we're not finding these mostly in the summertime and they're always in the winter? And now part of that could be because the water's cold and they always say the police or whatever, the medical examiner say to come to it. But what you really have to think about is what this group of people did. They didn't, they didn't choose black kids. They didn't choose women, like you said, or even prostitutes who... Believe me, the FBI had a highway serial killer task force because there was 500 prostitutes killed all across the country before they realized it was truckers taking them from one place and dropping the body somewhere else so they could never tie it in. But um, so now that our case is up to 500, we're hoping that eventually the FBI will get get involved. But these young men, they, they got away with for a lot of reasons. One, they're targeting men. They're targeting men that are drinking, coming from bars. Um, they're targeting white men. So if this was persons of color or gay men, you would people would be more likely to say, wait a minute, this is a gay crime or this is a hate crime, this is a race crime. But the fact that they're targeting white men um, kind of gives them a little bit of anonymity because people go, oh, it's just a bunch of stupid drunk white kids that fall in the, fall in the water. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it, it gives them cover and nobody's thinking anything suspicious about it. But um, but what could be the motive? So that, you know, the, what is the motive here? You know, because we haven't I've heard. Never told, I've never told. I've never told the motive because of that reason. But I can I can tell you that 
the profile of the people that are doing it are obviously somebody that's very similar. You're not going to get an old guy like me walking into the bar being able to put GHB into the, the drink of one of these young individuals. And we found GHB in, in 100% of the cases that we have tested for them. And so we know they're being drugged in the bars by GHB and walked out. Most of the time at closing time when it's winter time, everybody's going to get their coat and go to the bathroom one last time. They're trying to go meet a woman or make plans to go back to the dorm with uh, continue to party and drinking. And the next thing you know, they walked out of the bar, never to be seen again. And in some of the cases, we've had people that have seen their friends being walked out and actually confronted these individuals. And then these guys jumped in the car and drove away. So we know how it's occurring. As far as the reason for it, part of it is ritualistic. Um there's a gang initiation, and then there is the idea of there are basically hate crimes because they are targeting specific these specific individuals who are high achievers from academically uh, high achieving, the athletic, um, the, the basically the best of the best. A lot of these kids are STEM, science, technology, engineering, math. We have like about 30 engineers. So we're not saying out of 34, 36 engineers, just engineers are getting drunk, falling in the water. Or guys that are studying in science and biology and going to medical school, um, like Jelani Day in, in, Chicago, in Chicago. So these these individuals are specifically targeted, and um, this is where they're going after. And these are the best of the best. You know, has any, <clears throat> to your knowledge, has there ever been a suspect in these murders, or even someone they're trying to focus on, or 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 we just don't have any clues at all? Oh, not the authorities. I'm telling you right now, we have six We have six cases we could clearly solve where we have numerous suspects that are involved with drugging, abducting these young men. There's no doubt that these young men are being murdered. They're being drugged in the bars. They're being abducted. They're leaving clues behind, including those 13 symbols. They've also left a lot of other symbols behind, whether it was phone phone numbers from the, where the phones ping from the individual's we had, we had a case in, in uh, Pennsylvania where they specifically took the kid's phone. It pinged off a cell phone tower. Right next to the cell phone tower was the name of a street called Smiley Street. We didn't even know there was one of those in the United States, which was right from the bar. That young man is one of the cases we did in the show. He was, the medical examiner himself said that the imprints from where the body was dragged was made within the last 24 hours, but the kid was missing for, you know, 12 days. And he only was dead for one day. So where was he for the 11 days that there was no decomposition on the body? Yet they didn't make it a homicide. They make all these deaths undetermined, which is the catch-all or catch-22, where, well, not enough to make it a homicide, but it's really not an accident. So, you know, this is this is what we're dealing with. A, cu- a couple things, somebody. Kevin. You, you write this book, um, co- you co-authored this book called Case Studies in Drowning Forensics. And I, I haven't read it, but I, I've read some summaries about what you talk about. And, and my understanding is what you're saying in these case studies is that someone's found in the lake and they think, oh, accident or suicide, right? Because well, how do you end up in the lake dead unless you tripped and fell, hit your head, drowned, or you wanted to kill yourself? Um, but, but you're but you're saying in these studies that there the people who are doing the autopsies and the authorities are missing uh, things because they're in the water. That yes, correct, one hundred percent. So so what I mean, are they missing? Cases, we, we have we have actually. We have boot prints on one of the young uh, man, Luke Holman's 
you know, forehead. And that came out in the show. The other thing is, which people are talking about in the show, wouldn't even let me put because they didn't want to disparage the police. But they brought in bloodhounds and cadaver dogs. And the bloodhound and cadaver dog went up and down the Mississippi River. And when it went up the river, it barked at one spot. They went up about a mile, turned around, came back. The dog barked at the same exact spot. I said, oh, that's when you deployed the divers? He said, no. I said, what did you do? He said, we put a cadaver dog on the boat. Did the same thing. Same hit up and down the river. They put the, the, the divers in. They find the victim. I said, did you know, were you aware that the individual was on our show? But they, they cut this, was that the bloodhound and cadaver dog the police had information. The state police were called in, and this was in Wisconsin and La Crosse, to help the police with the case. They did a great job. They found out about it. They stopped these, uh, this vehicle. They brought the bloodhound in, and the bloodhound scented the young man getting in from the, dri- the rear driver's side seat over to the passenger seat. So they brought the cadaver dog in. The cadaver dog, unlike the, the, the bloodhound that states he was in the vehicle, shows he was deceased when he was in the vehicle. Cadaver dog states he's dead in the back on the passenger side, slid over from the driver's side and over to the passenger side. So the state police came in. They brought in the black the black lights and found blood on the vehicle. They also did a 40-page confidential report that I got that nobody was ever released to the public in which they interviewed them. In. Or everything showed the state police that these individuals were responsible and they wanted to bring the vehicle in, take the blood, test it, prove that if it, if it was the blood, the decedent's blood, they had an arrest for, for murder. Okay, you know what? I, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to cut you off here, and I just want to say this before I go: is that if you're in a bar with your girlfriends, if you're in a bar with your male friends, stay together. People, put that stuff in your drink. I've had so many potential clients come to me saying, I, I lost a day. I don't know what happened to me. I was found somewhere in a, some guy's apartment, and I don't know where I was, and I wasn't drinking. So please just be careful out there, because there are bartenders and people who work in groups who will put this drug, and will you know, and, and who knows what, uh, what, what their motives uh, will be. I just want to thank you both, and let's, let's follow up on this, okay? I'd like both of you back. Kevin Gannon, thank you so much. His book is, um, his book is called Case Studies in Drowning Forensic and watch this smiley face murders the hunt for justice on the oxygen network and thank you john sunheim and please uh, read his uh, website and his blog on uh, your tango y-o-u-r-t-a-n-g-o thank you gentlemen have a good afternoon thank you so much